turn together now to Paul's letter to Ephesians and chapter 1 and reading at verse number 3. Ephesians 1 and at verse number 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself, as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. And so on. Now, the story of the church in Ephesus turns out to be a sad story from the days of Paul and the days of establishing this church and we saw from Acts chapter 20 in the morning the way in which Paul spoke to uh, the elders in Ephesus and uh, warned them that days would come when there will be problems would arise and there will be temptations and that there will be traps set in the place of the people of God and he warned them to be watchful for themselves and for the people in the church in Ephesus. When you read the account of the message of, of the Lord Jesus in the book of Revelation and, and in chapter 2 we see the way in which the people of God have in Ephesus have abandoned the love that they had at first and God is saying to them that unless they repent and, and rediscover these first things that he will remove his lampstand in other words that he will take away the witness of the gospel and sadly today if we visit Ephesus which is part of northwest Turkey the church there is nothing more than a tourist attraction and we see the traces of Paul and his footsteps on what was the harbour in Ephesus in his day but it is all nothing more than a tourist attraction and it is a solemn thought to think as we read this letter and hear Paul's prayers for this church the way in which we see that church today or don't see it as it is, has vanished. We want to look at this passage and to do so as we continue to focus on the learning lessons from the prayers of Paul. And in looking at this passage, we want to notice that Paul's prayers are always in the context of and on the basis of what God has promised he would do and what he has already done. And when we think of this passage especially, we think of the sovereignty of God. Uh, and by that we mean the free exercise of uh, the will of God and of the authority of God in putting into place the things that are in, a, in accordance with his eternal purposes. God controls by his decree and sovereign power what takes place in our everyday lives. We remember the shorter catechism and we hear that God executes his decrees in the works of creation and providence. So all that we have around us, we have a sovereign God who has a plan for the world, a plan that he had before the world ever was, and in everything that takes place in this world, he is working out his plans. And at the same time as he is that sovereign God, he is also the personal God who worked in Ephesus. 
the personal God who, who works in, in Shobos and Braga, the personal God who, who works in the generations of this world, sovereign in his overall power, in the mystery of his will, but personal in his relationship with his people in the world and the way in which he works in their lives to do the very things that we see happening in this passage. And when we reflect on prayer, we are faced with the question, does prayer change things? Why do we pray if God has decreed everything? What's the point in asking God for blessing for each other? What's the point in asking God to convert people? What's the point in asking God to do anything if he's going to work out his purposes anyway? Really serious questions. But we have a responsibility to pray, as Jesus says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so our prayers for our personal needs, our prayers for the needs of the people of God and the church of God, they are always in the context of the sovereignty of God, allowing for the mystery that that includes and involves, but also recognizing that here is a personal God who delights in hearing our prayers. And there are two prayers, at least in this letter, and before we look at them, we want to see in this passage, praying with Paul and the sovereignty of God. I want to see, first of all, that we have a possession. The whole section begins, it's one long sentence from verse 3 down to verse 14. Paul doesn't get concerned with, with breaking up into sentences. He, he begins to, uh, to say, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he just goes on and on and on. And, 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 and a bit like is said about John Owen, his, his favorite word is and. But, but here Paul is so filled with the glory of what's taking place that he cannot hold himself back and he just keeps pouring great truths into this letter. But we do have the blessing that comes from the blessed God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This God is worthy of praise. More than simply thinking well of him, he is worthy of lifting up our hearts and rejoicing with our words and with our hearts as we did in singing our praises, praising the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And when Paul launches into this long sentence of praise, he wants to draw attention and he immediately leaps into the whole idea of the fact that there is a God who is a God to ourselves, but there is also a God who is a God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he immediately introduces us into the whole idea of, of God sending a son, of a son coming into the world, of a son being a servant of God the Father. He launches into to what describes for us an intimate relationship through which the mission of God is worked out in the world in the passion of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is Lord. He is equal with God. 
He is Jesus. He is the one who is Jesus of Nazareth. He is the Christ who is anointed by God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here is the object of Paul's praise. Here he exhorts them and us to join in that very praise because this God who speaks to us in the word of God, he is not only sovereign, but in his sovereignty he has an arrangement, a purpose, a plan for the salvation of the world through the person of his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And in, in drawing attention to that, he speaks of the way in which he has blessed us in Christ uh, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He's stacking up things that remind us of, of, of the possession of the children of God that begins with the way in which he has blessed us in Christ. God blessed Adam in the Garden of Eden. He blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. That is the creation blessing with which the Bible begins. And that, of course, failed to bear fruit because of Adam's sin against God. But then we have God coming into his relationship with Abraham, the father of the faithful, to whom the gospel was first preached, says Paul in writing to Galatians. And there we read that, that God promised that he would bless him and make his name great, that he would make him a blessing, and that in him all the families of the earth would be blessed. And Paul is now saying to this church in Ephesus that the very purpose of God to bless the world in this new mission and this new covenant relationship with the Son, God's blessing has now been poured out on those who are in Ephesus. And for ourselves tonight, we, we pray for each other's salvation. We want nothing more than the blessings of the gospel to become our, our portion and to, to become our joy every day. And we are here coming face to face with the reason why we pray to the sovereign God. Because no matter what we do and no matter what we say and what we try to achieve, we are dependent at last and only on the God who is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, blessing us in Christ. There is no other person that can do it. There is no other channel through which he can do it, but through the passion of his Son. And he goes on to, to expand on that later, of course, as to how the Son is at the center of that. But the blessings are to be found only in Christ Jesus. Through faith in him, through being united to him, and we, we think of that small preposition, and it's so crucial and so critical in, in the, the gospel as Paul presents it, that preposition in. We say we are in church, we say we are in Shabbos, we say we are in wherever we are, we are in a place of location. And when this blessing comes down, Paul wants him to remember repeatedly that all of this blessing comes only in Christ, as if it were their dwelling place 
as if it were where they live their lives, as if it were where God is finding them, placing them in him so that within him they will know the blessing of the covenant of grace being poured down upon them. And tonight God wants us to open up our minds to the sense of the way in which Jesus Christ is open to us so that in our coming to him, he himself says he is the door. But there is a door into him that is the door of faith that opens to us because of the promised blessing of God. And if we want to pray for one another this evening, it's, it's, it's the prayer that we ask God to show us the pathway into the Christ who is his son whom he has sent into the world and to take us as if it were in the footsteps of faith from where we are outside of Christ and to take us in to have a dwelling in him and to have around us as we are united to him and dwell in him to have around us the sense of the shared blessing of God. We step into the shower and there's that sense of, of the refreshing water pouring down upon us. We step into Christ because of the blessing of God. And heaven itself comes, comes down upon us and showers us with the refreshing grace that is ours because of Christ and only in Christ. And so let us pray tonight that we will be taken by God on these footsteps to find ourselves in Christ. And if there was a way for you to do that by yourself, then God would tell us. But because there is not a way other than in Christ, then God wants us to know it's the simplicity of the greatest mystery that is connected with our salvation. That tonight, because of God, we are in Christ. Uh, and the blessing that becomes ours is the spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And the blessing that is ours is the blessing of the Spirit of God. We can read it as, as if it were simply that that he has blessed us with every blessing of the Holy Spirit. And he's done so in the heavenly places. And when we read through this letter, the heavenly places are key to those to whom Paul was writing. It's the place where, where Jesus has been exalted. It's the place where there are the evil forces in chapter 6. It's the place to which God has exalted his people in Christ. There is that invisible arena and sphere of the powers of darkness and, and of wickedness in that area where the church in Ephesus and where the church here and where the church everywhere, that area of invisible spiritual reality where there are powers that work against the people of God. Paul wants them to realize that however great the opposition and hostility is where they live their lives, that is where Christ reigns. That is where the, the, blessing of, of, the blessing in Christ and the blessing of the Spirit, that's where they are found, in that very place of 
conflict. And so that when we come to have the blessing of God in Christ and we step into to the arena where we know that we are in Christ, Paul wants them to understand that in the sovereignty of God, that does not mean that they step out of the place of spiritual wickedness and of conflict. It's not that kind of, there is no such exchange at all. The change that takes place in their lives is in the very reality of the world in which they live, with all of its problems and challenges and all of the things that seek to undermine their faith in the heavenly places. That is where this blessed God has poured out the blessings of the Holy Spirit. And all of these blessings flow out in the remainder of the verses down to verse number 14. But there is that sense of possession because the sovereign God has poured out the blessing on this church in Ephesus. And we come to to pray with Paul and we want to, to lay hold of the fact that present grace comes from God, that sustaining grace comes from God, that final glory comes from God, It's the blessing that God alone can give that we cannot secure for ourselves. So our prayer is to the promises of God and to the purpose of God and to what God has designed to do in his relationship with his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and with the Holy Spirit through whom these blessings come. There is possession Secondly, there is participation. How is it that we take these footsteps from where we are into this blessed arena of the blessing of the Spirit of God in Christ? It is because of the profound mystery of God's election. Even as he chose us in him, before the foundation of the world. He counted out, putting it simply from the way in which the word is used, he counted out and gathered for himself out of the masses of fallen humankind. God chose out of the masses those who are going to be participants of this divine blessing. And there are so many wonders connected with that choice. Humanly speaking, we come to make choices of of people because there is mutual attraction. There are things that, that draw us to them. It's so easy to choose in that way. That's how we work humanly. We, we choose and we exclude on the basis of, of how we find things desirable and attractive. And God comes to to choose out of the masses of fallen humankind. And there there is nothing attractive in us. There is no good thing in us. There is no one righteous. There is no one concerning whom God can say that he or she is attractive. And on that basis, I will come and I will choose them. 
And there is no sign whatsoever of, of God choosing people because he knew that at some point they would do some good. He chooses and he elects those who have nothing attractive in themselves to qualify them to be the people of God. It is the mystery of the way in which God has purposed to save and to build his own church. And we live through life and we wonder how God works and we wonder why this person will come from nowhere and suddenly there's a spark, there's an interest in the gospel. Suddenly Jesus Christ is precious. Suddenly there is a hunger coming from the place of, of, of nowhere, of, of low debar, the place of no words and no gospel, coming to hunger for the gospel. Why is it that that happened? It was because of God's eternal election that he chose. And tonight, all of those who have experienced the blessing of God, they have done so only because God's election in Christ, God's choosing. And how do we pray then? How do we pray if, if this is the case? Why should somebody pray for, for your salvation if God has already chosen whom he's going to save? And one of the answers to that, and there isn't a complete answer to it, but one of the answers to that is that those who have the blessing of the Holy Spirit in their own hearts, that they are led by the Spirit of God to pray for the things that are in accordance with the will of God, and so that your very prayer for the person next to you may be the means through which God is working, and your prayers are, are entering into the presence of God as, as God is working in this person's life. And when you see your prayers answered, it does not take away from, from the importance of your prayer the fact that God has already chosen. But it stirs up your delight in the, the whole purpose of God that he has such a thing as an elect people. And that because of that, the person for whom you are praying, that, that person is saved. And at the same time, giving to yourself that, that confirmation of your own election by God. And of course we pray. And we pray because we know that, that God has an elect. And we know that the elect of God will, will become evident as people come to receive his blessing. And to, to show the, the way in which this election is unconditional, we see the way in which he reminds them that they were chosen in him before the foundation of the world. Or as he says to the letter to the Romans with regard to Jacob and Esau, though not yet born, when they had done neither good or bad, that in order that God's purposes of election might continue and might stand, she was told, their mother was told, the older will serve the younger. 
And there is that, that wrestling in, in, in her womb as Jacob and Esau, the two nations. God having made choice before they were born so that his purposes would stand. He has identified his people before the foundation of the world. And they come into this world as Jacob and Esau did. And the purposes of God are already being served. And they haven't done anything. And we see how that works out with all of its challenging difficulties in, in Jacob's home, in, in Isaac's home. But the issue is that all of this has taken place in the heart and mind of God before the world ever was. It's the point at which our prayer becomes worship. And we marvel at the mystery of God's will. We marvel at his choice. We marvel at his choice, which means exclusion. And we marvel at the way in which he works that out. Not so that we may excuse ourselves and not so that God's election means I have no responsibility to seek or to search for Christ. But marveling that the election is there and that it is my, my inspiration to, that if there is any way that I can be saved, that I pray to God that he will come and show that he has chosen me as somebody on whom his grace will rest, becoming participants of the blessing. And that participation is in order that we should be holy and blameless before him. There is a goal in God's election, a goal that speaks about changing people. And this letter itself speaks about the way in which they are to put on the new self in chapter 4, the way in which they are to do so as those who have been saved by God, who are now created after the likeness of God, and who are to live a life of true righteousness and holiness, a life that is conformed to the will of God, a life that confirms their election, a life that confirms that they're on the, on the footsteps, on the pathway that will lead them to be holy and blameless before God. It's participation in grace now, but it's also to ensure participation in glory afterwards, to be blameless, as the sacrifices in the Old Testament were, sacrificial language, they were to be without blemish. They weren't to have anything lacking, and there wasn't to be anything additional. They were to be without blemish. And this participation is so that you and I will come in the day of the appearing of the Lord Jesus, in the day of his return, that we will stand before this God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and that we will be blameless. There will be nothing lacking there will be nothing there that shouldn't be there. And that gives Paul a prayer 
for this church and for other churches. It gives us a prayer for each other. That when we stand before the face of Jesus Christ as judge at the, th- in the throne room of God, that we will stand there perfect. And so that the prayer to, to build up and to pray for what was lacking in their faith will have found an answer because of the blessing of God. And what a wonderful expectation that we can participate in that day and do so lacking nothing and having nothing that we shouldn't have. And that gives us, of course, a prayer for one another, understanding God's election and the sovereignty in election, understanding the way he has chosen and praying that that election will be evident in a life that's changed and that for those whose lives are changed by it, that one day they will stand before the judgment seat of Christ in that blameless sense. And no greater prayer could you and I pray for one another than that in that day we will be accepted into the heavenly kingdom and welcomed by the God who is our Father and welcomed by the Jesus who is our Saviour. And so there is possession and there is participation and finally there is privilege. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Of course, Paul brings us into the very heart of God, into the very character of God, and to speak of of the love of God, of that overflowing of his love spontaneously to, to those who are undeserving, of the way in which he has made choice of, of, of these objects of his love, of the way in which he has done that, laying hold of them, embracing them, and embracing them for, for their well-being, and doing everything that, is, that he possibly can do to ensure that they experience his love in all of its fullness, and that his love will make a difference It's the character of God. It's the God who is love, showing his love, and that in love he predestined us for adoption. If election is choosing people, predestination is ensuring the sequence of events. It's setting things up As he does so in our everyday lives, he has predestined everything. Beforehand, he has put in place the very events and situations that will ensure that his purposes are fulfilled. And his purpose here is that he has predestined us for adoption to himself. And yes, he has predestined us for the adoption of of, of sons by the Spirit of God dwelling in our hearts here in the world. That's what Paul speaks of in writing to the Romans. We have the spirit of adoption through which we cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit bears witness with our spirits that we are the children of God. 
That there is that sense of adoption now, of being the children of God, as God fulfills his purposes through the Old Testament, that Egypt was, that Israel was a son of me, had drawn out of Egypt. So now the church in Ephesus, the children of God, they are adopted into his family with all of the rights of the natural children, with the inheritance and with the promised blessing of being part of the family of God. Adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. And the God who asks us to think of the Lord Jesus as a servant in Isaiah chapter 42. Behold my servant whom I have chosen, the one who, in whom I delight. He has chosen Jesus to be a servant. He has chosen us through Christ to be his, the sons of God with him and therefore given to us the certainty of having that adoption which Paul prays for in Romans 8 when, when he speaks about those who are the first fruits of the Spirit of God groaning within themselves, longing for the adoption, the redemption of their bodies, longing for the day when they will be rescued from their graves and when they'll be raised up in glory and when everything that sin has boiled will be left behind in the new heavens and in the new earth. Predestined for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. And as remarkable as it is that God has chosen a children for himself, a people for himself, so it is remarkable that he has set up all of the events which will ensure that we come to faith in him, that we continue in faith in him, that we persevere in our faith, and that we will at last enter in to that glory and events are so mysterious why did this happen to me why was I there why did God take me here all of these things for questions for which so often there are no answers but we know that the God who sits in heaven and who has so predestined everything that he has appointed the sequence of events to ensure our safe passage from the time that the blessings of the Spirit of God come to dwell in our hearts from that time until we enter into glory. Every step, every stage, directing our path. And all of that in, according to the purpose of his will, because of his pleasure in what he has purpose to do in his own heart. It is the sense of the delight of God. And we, we think of the sovereignty of God in prayer. And we can only pray effectively as we should, as we delight in the things in which God himself delights, delights in the, delight in the people in which God delights, and delight in the Saviour who is the delight of God the Father. And then praying for in all of these avenues and in all of these ways. Reaching out to God 
for one another so that we may join together in this journey through these different stopping places and do so as those who are on a path to be in glory with Christ because of the sovereign purpose of God in electing and predestining and in pouring his blessing down upon us. And so may God help us to to wrestle with these key issues that underlie our salvation and may he enable us to give thanks to God for the wonder as well as the mystery of his purposes and will and rejoice that only because of what he has purposed to do is there a church in the world are there Christians here and will there be Christians here afterwards. We commit ourselves to the sovereign God and we do pray that he will continue to show his purposes by building a church daily and weekly and yearly in the place in which we delight ourselves. May God bless his word to us. Let us pray. Most gracious God, we do rejoice in you as the great God that has purposed such a marvellous plan of salvation for the way in which you identify for yourself those who are your chosen people and the way in which we hear the Lord Jesus saying to his disciples, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. Help us, O Lord God, to bow before you and to pray for your mercy and to pray for your light and for your spirit to help us in all of these issues which belong to you, which are a mystery to us, and help us, O Lord God, so that these would not be a stumbling block to us, but that they may be an encouragement to us in seeking to pray for one another as we journey on through life together. So bless your word to us, we pray, and hear as we ask. We ask all these things for Jesus' sake. Amen. The closing psalm is Psalm number 33 in the Scottish Psalter at verse number 10. Psalm 33 at verse 10 is on page 245. Psalm 33 at verse 10. God doth the counsel bring to naught which heathen folk do take and what the people do devise of none effect doth make. And we'll sing from verse 10 to the verse mark 14 to God's praise. <clears throat> oh, Jehovah
stand for the benediction. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. Amen.